Welcome back to Zillennials Podcast. Today on Zillennials, we're going to be talking about personality tests. So I think which one we'll start out with is let's start out with the Enneagram test. A little bit about the Enneagram test, there are nine different personality types, and each one is defined by a core belief that shapes our interpretation of the world. So Leon, do you want to talk a little bit about what some of those personality types are? Yeah, there, like you said, there's nine different ones, and they're divided into three categories, which are the heart type, the head type, and the body type. And basically, the difference between all of those is that the heart types are primarily emotions first with their processing, and then head types analyze primarily, and body types are the ones who are the type of people who have gut feelings about things. Yeah, so this is supposed to help you kind of see how how you react to things in the world. So a couple of the personality types, um, in regards to the heart types, we have the giver, the achiever, and the individualist. For the head types, which are the ones who are the analyzing types, we have the investigator, the skeptic, and the enthusiast. And then for the body types, which again are those people who get gut feelings about things, we have the challenger, the peacemaker, and the perfectionist. I was just wondering what your experience with this personality type is from before and if you had any idea of which type you were before you took the test. So actually, the first time I heard about this personality test was when I was in Spain. People there were like, oddly obsessed with it for some reason not like Spanish people but like the people who I was there with were oddly obsessed with it um and so they would all be like oh yeah I'm a three I'm a seven I'm an eight and I was like what is this personality test like I don't know what you're talking about and so that was the first time that I'd ever taken that test and so it's really interesting because that was about I want to say almost three years ago now so it's been interesting to see how, you know, mine has changed over time. But I figured that I'd probably be a type nine, which is the peacemaker, because I think that's what I was last time. But in a twist of fate, it was not so. What was your experience with this uh, personality test? I hadn't heard of this one until relatively recently. I think this test has kind of popped up all over the place on Instagram and stuff now I know it's kind of popular to have art related to it you know like there'll be the posts that are you know different beverages for the different Enneagram types and so I saw that and then I was reading a little about them and I uh I was interested to see what I would get so I thought it would be fun to take a test so did you have any idea of which one you felt like you would be before you took the test from what I read, I thought it would, I think I thought I was going to be a six or a one from what I read and then thinking about how I act. And I'd say that was pretty on point. Got you. So for those of you listening, type six is the skeptic and type one is the perfectionist, which, yeah, Leon, I, I could see that for you, especially the perfectionist one, because, okay, to give you a little bit of insight as to our podcast dynamic. Leon is very much the structured, organized one, and I'm very much like the 
oh, let's have a million ideas at once one. And so Lian is definitely the one who keeps us on track in terms of like planning and whatnot. So she's very much that organized perfectionist type, which I really appreciate. And I think it's really good for our podcast dynamic to have both. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm definitely the planning type. And I think it's, I think you're kind of, you know, when you throw up a bunch of ideas at once, I think that's good too, because it kind of breaks me out of the laser focused. This is when we're going to do this. When do we do that? And you're just like, here's ideas. So did you want to break down your results a little more? Because I was wondering what kind of the top few types that you were matched with, because the test that we took gave personality types and then also how much of a percentage you matched. Yeah, sure. So I think that my type has definitely changed over time because I was a 99% match for a two, which I can tell you before being a teacher, I was not a 99% match for the two. So the twos are the givers where essentially it's like you want to try to find ways to be helpful to other people and you want to be well-liked. And you are searching for a sense of like love and belonging, which I feel like growing up, I was always like searching for that outside validation. So I could definitely see that part of it. But I think the being helpful to others, like while that was always a priority, I don't think it became such a strong priority until I became a teacher. And that's when I think that I kind of switched over to that. But I was definitely a little bit surprised that my match was so incredibly high for being a two. And like I said, I think that being a teacher has a lot to do with that. My other ones that were like top contenders, I was an 87% match for a four, which is the individualist, where you're trying to be unique and live authentically, which I don't know that I really agree with that one. I feel like while I like being unique, I feel like it's not like a top priority in my life. But Another one that I have is as a top match is a nine and a seven. So a seven is the enthusiast who wants to have a ton of adventure, which I would agree with that. I feel like especially as I've gotten older, I've become more adventurous. And a nine is a peacemaker, which that wasn't really a surprise to me because that was what I scored in my top ones last time. My other ones that were pretty high were like an achiever and a perfectionist. Um, those were like just below those. But overall, I had a lot of really high scores. I just didn't score very high on like five, six or eight. What about you, Leon? Which ones did you get? I think it's interesting how yours has switched. And I think it kind of raises the question of like, how stable are these results and what will happen over time? So I think it's interesting to how you took it again to compare. I think my the ones I matched with higher are kind of different than yours. I was a 98% match for a six, which wow. I'm not <laughs> I'm not really surprised because when I was doing more research on the site and it says that the defining characteristics for a six is, well, one of them is being detail-oriented and precise, and another is a tight-knit group of friends. And I feel like that's very me, like, I have this, you know, core group of friends. And I think also part of that is my introverted nature where it's like once I'm comfortable with you, you're in my little group and I tend to not branch out that often. And then 
the detail oriented is definitely has to do with my planning and stuff like that. And the other one I highly matched with was the type one, which was a 95% match. So that's also not surprising. And it's um, type ones are known for high, putting high standards on themselves. And then they're hardworking. I, I can see that where I, I have very high standards. I remember, you know, even in like high school and stuff, like I was that kid that if I got a B to me, that that was getting an F. Like I, I had failed. Like, and so it's like, I read this once, but where someone referred to themselves as a recovering perfectionist. And I feel like I'm, I'm definitely in that group. I could see that, especially because like, it's also interesting because if you're a perfectionist, I feel like in school, it's very easy to fall into that perfect. Well, I shouldn't say very easy. It's more likely for people to fall into that perfectionist column because there are like concrete results that you can strive for. But I feel like being a perfectionist in like the adult world is definitely a little bit more rare, but I feel like you still fit that. I think like what you're saying though, is that in school, it's very easy to be measured, you know, like you're taking tests and you're getting grades and you know that like, you know, for me, at least it's like 95 and above. That's where I felt fine. If like the grade was that, or if I got like an A and so you're getting a lot of feedback on that, but then what, as an adult out in the world, no one's really coming down and giving you like, you got an A in like feeding yourself today or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Or like you got an A in self-care. Congratulations. You are taking care of yourself. You're doing great. Yeah. And I think I've noticed it too, in terms of trying new things, like for example, just, you know, drawing or something. And I'll have this thing where because I'm not good at it right away, I think it's garbage. And then I don't necessarily push through that stage and keep going because I'm just like, oh, I'm no good at this. Like, I I can't do it. So, Leon, I actually have a kind of funny story for you. So the other day I was at home with my family and we were playing Euchre, which for those of you who don't know, it's like a very Midwestern card game. And I had just learned how to play Euchre within this past year. And I was talking to my family and I was like, yeah, you know, I can't believe I used to hate this card game so much. And they were like, yeah, like you didn't even know how to play yet. You hated it. What's that all about? And I was like, you know, I'm pretty sure it was just because I knew that I would be the worst player at the table when I started. And so I didn't want to start. And they were like, really? And I was like, yeah. So I feel like it's very much that kind of mentality. It's like sometimes we can fall into that you know, if I don't know how to do this well, I shouldn't do it, which is definitely something that is hard to work through, but worth it to work through. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because I'll look at different people's hand lettering or something. I'll be like, mine doesn't look like that. So I'm not good at it. So why bother trying? But then it's also kind of like, well, They've been doing it for years, so obviously yours isn't going to look the same. And I think it's kind of reminding yourself of that where it's like just because yours doesn't look like what you see or you're not good at, as good at the card game as other people are, it's like you have to start somewhere to get that good. So it's like just get over the mental block is kind of the trick. So what were some of your other higher matches? Like was there anything else that kind of stood out in like the 80 and above category? 
Um, those were the only two in the 90s. And then the next closest one was personality type two, which was a 78% match. And then three, which is a 77% match, which it says is there threes are also known as the achievers, which I feel like ties in with kind of the perfectionist and so the type one. My lowest one was actually the seven with a 43%. And it's, you know, the enthusiast and they want to have fun and new adventures. And I feel like I like having new adventures and like trying new things, but it's kind of more on my time and my schedule. So it's not like if someone's like, hey, want to go do this thing tomorrow that you've never done before? And I I feel like someone said that, I'd be a little more skeptical and be like, "Eh, I don't know. So I can kind of see how that one's lower. Yeah, and I feel like also too, part of like the enthusiast or like the seven one where you're trying to do these adventurous things, I feel like part of it's also like, you know, I like to adventure, but I want it to be pre-planned. I don't want to just go all the time. That's so me. I'm like, I will go on an adventure, but I need to plan the adventure first. Yes, like I can't just pick up everything and go. (laughs) But okay, my question was going to be, do you think that it would be okay to merge three and one as a personality type? Because they are so related. So that's the achiever and the perfectionist. Interesting. I think I don't know enough about the descriptions of the different types to make a definitive, you know, decision, but it, they do seem very similar. I guess it comes down to what is the difference between achieving and perfectionist? I mean, I think you could be an achiever and not be an a perfectionist. But I think they're so common that people are both. Mhm. Did you have thoughts? Well, I feel like you could almost merge the two because I feel like people who are high achievers are so commonly perfectionists that I feel like you could go and merge the two. But that's just personal opinion. I was just curious to see what you thought because I feel like the other ones here are pretty distinctive, but I think that three and one are both very related. And so that would be, if I was to pick like two that could merge, I would think it'd be three and one. Yeah, I could see how if you were going to pick one, those two would be it. I just pulled up the list of the defining characteristics for type three and put them next to type one so we could get an idea. So the I'm referencing the website that we took our test from. And it says the defining characteristics are three are acutely aware of social niceties Impressive range of accomplishments, extremely busy and on the go, jam-packed schedules. It says they have an interest in improvisation or acting. I am I am very type one and I have zero interest in those things, but that could just be me. And it also says they, they have refined taste in outer appearance and are charismatic. I don't really know if I'm charismatic. So I feel like maybe three is a little bit more like about outwards appearances than a one then. It's kind of like what I feel like I'm getting from this is one is like, I will be a perfectionist. I will achieve things. Even if no one is around to see it, I need to do it for my own personal satisfaction. Whereas a three may be more so someone who wants that external feedback. I think that makes sense because I think I was always very internally motivated 
to do my best or to be the best at whatever I was doing. Like it wasn't coming from someone else saying like, you need to be the best in your class or you need to be the best, you know, fill in the blank. I feel like it's all come from pressure I've put on myself. Yeah, that is one of the defining characteristics of the type one is high internal standards. So you're really setting this for yourself. Another thing I didn't really know until I was digging into this more is about how they have the wings, which are the the personalities that are, I guess the personalities are laid out kind of like in a circle. So the way the they're all connected makes this diagram. And so the wings are the ones that are next to yours. And so some people identify, you know, as their main type. So let's say type six and then wing something. Have you thought about your wings or have you just kind of focused on the main one? Um, I'm mostly focused on the main one. So for the wings, is it like those are the two numbers next to you? Like, for example, if I'm a two, three and one would be my wings. Yeah. So it's the ones next to you, which I think is kind of weird in a way, because I think I would think that your sub category would kind of be the next highest thing that you matched with, not necessarily just the two things next to you. Huh. That is really interesting. I feel like some of the wings don't make as much sense as others, if you will. For example, like if you're a nine, which is the peacemaker, I feel like winging eight and winging one doesn't make that much sense because I feel like if you're a peacemaker, you're not as likely to be a challenger because I feel like as a peacemaker, you're not always going to stand up for what you believe in, if you will. I feel like it's more so about making sure that everybody is happy with the agreement you've come to. I think for mine, let's say, because my two top ones were so high, like let's say going off the six, a wing five could make sense. I don't think a wing seven really matches with me. I mean, yeah, because you said that that was one of your lowest, right? Yeah, it was a 43% match. Weird. I don't know. that. I feel like wings are maybe not as accurate or they vary a lot from person to person. As a two, my wings are one in three, which I feel like is very much accurate. I feel like I do kind of fall into the achiever perfectionist category sometimes. And I think that a lot of that is also, especially in regards to when I am trying to help people, it's very much about how can I make sure that this is perfect for this other person rather than for myself? Yeah, I think it's it's quite interesting reading the different descriptions of the types. Just as a way to reflect on your own self. So what did you get for the uh, the Myers-Briggs? So for the Myers-Briggs, this one has also changed since I became a teacher. So my beef with this is I identify more strongly with what I was previously than what I got this time, which is interesting. For the Myers-Briggs, um, let's go through and define a couple of those terms just so that we can get a good sense for what it is. You'll be given a couple of letters that stand for various words to define you. So for example, like the first letter you're given tells you if you're an introvert or an extrovert, which is just essentially how you maintain your energy. You know, are you someone who recharges by being around people or by being alone? Um, The next one is about sensing versus intuition. So how do you process information? Is it more that you focus on sensing and experiencing through the five senses and being more practical? Or is it more about your intuition or like focusing more on the abstract, being a little bit more creative? 
The other ones are thinking versus feeling, which is all about making decisions. So essentially, if you're in thinking versus feeling, if you're somebody who qualifies for that thinking category, it's a lot about being more logical, using your head, whereas feeling is more about emotions. And then the last one is judging versus perceiving. So judging is someone who likes structure and prefers plans down to the minute. So for example, I'll use a teaching example. If you're somebody who is like, I have lesson planned out every single second of my day, I know where my students are going to be, I know where I'm going to be, you would be in the judging category. If you are somebody who's like, I'll just wing it, you would be in the perceiving category, who is a little bit more spontaneous. And so those are our general sections of the Myers-Briggs types. Which one are you? I am the ENFJ. So that is the teacher was a very good match or an INFJ, which is a very good match. So I've always kind of fluctuated between introverted and extroverted. Personally, I think I'm a little bit more introverted than I am extroverted ever so slightly just because I look at when I like to recharge and I do not recharge from being around people. I recharge from being by myself. What about you, Leon? What did you get for the Myers-Briggs? Yeah, so the first one they gave me was the ISFJ, known as the protector. And then the other one they said was the ISTJ, which is the inspector. It's actually kind of interesting because the only thing that varies between those are the, the F or the T. And that's what I think is so interesting is a lot of the times when you take the test, they'll give you two options that are very similar because a lot of people kind of fluctuate between a couple of those categories. Like they have maybe one category in which they fluctuate pretty frequently. And it's interesting because they they do break down those different, those four categories. And in the thinking feeling section, it was 49% thinking, 51% feeling. So I can see why it kind of gave me both the options. What was your old one that it gave you that you thought was better? So my old one was ENFP or INFP, which is about more like feeling and perceiving, which personally, I look at my personality and I feel like I'm more feeling and perceiving rather than judging, especially because it talks about judging being very, you know, a big planner down to the last detail. And I don't think that I am a planner down to the exact last detail. I think I've had to become more of a planner with my profession. But personally, I don't think I'm a huge planner. Like, I'll plan for what I need to, but that's about it. My old one was called The Champion as an ENFP. And my newer ones were ENFJ and INFJ, which is the teacher and the counselor. What were your other good matches? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. I hadn't had a previous one to compare it to, but... The three that it gave were the two that I mentioned before as the protector and the inspector. And then it also as the third one listed the counselor. But the thing that I think is interesting is that throughout all of them, I was the introverted. And then also I was the J, which is the judging. So in all three options, that didn't change. Oh, interesting. For mine, I think the only ones that stayed the same were the N and the F. So I think that's like intuition and feeling. Again, that just lends itself to my point where I feel like I'm more like an ENFP, INFP rather than the ones it gave me this time. 
Yeah, out of the two, well, the, there's three, but I think the top two are probably more accurate. Um, I think if I was going to pick one, it'd probably be the ISTJ, the inspector, just based off the description, because it says they're responsible organizers and they're driven to create and enforce order within systems and how they're also uh, neat and orderly and they tend to have procedures for things they do and it seems like it lines up with you know liking structure and having a routine and you know planning which I like to do so in terms of the personality tests was there one that you felt like was better than the other or more accurate than the other I think in the you know in the beginning I was I was drawn to the Enneagram one just because it's easier to remember, you know, like you're a type six, where I think for me, the Myers-Briggs is like, I had to remember the letters. And then because I'm not that familiar with it, I also have to remember what they stand for and all of that. So I was kind of drawn towards the simplicity of type six that, you know, then you just know what you are. But in terms of the results, I don't really think one is necessarily better than the other. They seem to kind of pick things that matched me both of them what about you I feel like just because I don't agree with my Myers-Briggs this time I feel like I'm a little bit more drawn to uh the Enneagram like you said and I think that the Enneagram does present the information in like a more organized manner whereas the Myers-Briggs is a little bit harder to remember even because if you look at like things like where it says sensing versus intuition like Instead of putting an I for intuition in your letters, they put an N, which kind of drives me nuts. But um, so I think in terms of ease of understanding what's happening, I think that the Enneagram is really nice. Me too. I think I don't know if that if it's the same now, but I think previously the Myers-Briggs was better known. Or, or wider known, it seemed. Because I had heard of that before, but I hadn't really heard of the Enneagram before maybe like a year or so ago. Have you ever had to do it for work or something? No, but I do remember in college they had us take something that was like kind of similar. It was like a personality type thing. Um, oh, wait, actually, I take that back. I have had to do something similar for work. So, and I think this might also influence my answers here. So for work... Sometimes when you're applying for teaching jobs, they'll build like what's called a teacher profile, where essentially it's like all of these theoretical questions about things that could happen in your classroom and how would you respond to them? And so I feel like even with that, there seems to be a sort of right answer, if you will. And so I feel like when I take those tests, I do for the most part answer honestly, but sometimes if I'm between two answers, I'll pick the answer that seems more like what they're looking for rather than rather than just picking randomly between the two. So I have taken something similar, but we've never gotten the results back from it. It's only shared with the school. So it's like extremely secretive. We're over here taking these tests and they're like, hmm, what is your personality? And so it's like very odd, I feel like, because I don't really know of many other jobs where they do that in order to hire you, if you will. I don't know. Have you ever encountered something like that in your professional life? No, I haven't done it. 
I know when I was reading about these, they say they're common that, well, I guess more specifically, the Myers-Briggs one is used by a bunch of different companies and stuff to like sort their workers, I guess. But I've never had to take one. But see, here's the thing. I feel like if they're giving it through work, people are not always going to answer honestly. And this may be a little bit of a hot take, but I feel like they're not always going to answer honestly because I feel like there's a certain type of person you want working for you. And that type of person is someone who's always extremely organized, detail-oriented. And I feel like if you don't fit that mold, people don't want to hire you. That's my hot take on this. So I feel like if they're administering it through your work, people are not always going to be honest. Yeah, I think it could depend on if you're already hired or not. Like, I know some workplaces do it as part of their, like, I don't know, training, team building kind of situation. So I feel like in that, if you're already hired and you already have the job, it might be a little different. But if you're doing it as part of the hiring process, it's kind of weird because you could be knocked out of you know consideration based on some of these answers and then it's like do these answers actually affect your ability to do the job yeah and I think that that's kind of my issue I have with using something like a personality test for a hiring process is that I think that it's detrimental because then you'll typically have only a certain type of person in that job which doesn't always speak to their ability of how they're able to do that job. I think you're right. I think if um I think if it's a little bit more casual in administering it like as a team building activity, I think that you would have much more honest and much more positive results and positive feedback. But I think that as a hiring tool, it may not be the best thing. Yeah, I can agree with that assessment. I think this conversation also ties into the question of what do we think of these personality tests as a whole? And like, do we feel that they're accurate? Because one thing that I thought was kind of interesting about the Myers-Briggs is that it was first formulated by a housewife and her daughter and that they didn't have formal training in psychology. Like they weren't psychologists. So I think it's interesting that something that, started from those types of roots is such a big thing and so many companies and stuff are using it I think that that's really interesting I think that it would be more reputable had they had some formal training in psychology but also I feel like it does do a pretty good job at profiling people so I would still I would still say that the results are pretty good because it does do a good job at profiling you I feel like I'm more of a skeptic about this. Uh, I think I think it does a good job in profiling, at least me, because, you know, the things it came up with was accurate. But some of the things I was, you know, I heard or read when I was looking into this is talking about how basically the Myers-Briggs, the official version of the test because we took a test that was inspired on because the official version is basically trademarked or copyrighted so that only the company can give it out. And so it is this kind of like, I don't know how much money, but it is this huge industry that people are making money off of by like licensing out the actual test. And that I guess some of the, basically there's been a lot of things about psychologists who aren't 
tied to the the company are kind of skeptical about it and say that it doesn't yield like results to like the scientific standard and how there's this thing called the the forer effect which is kind of the same thing that happens with horoscopes where the descriptions are written broadly enough that you read it and you're like oh that's me they understand me where it's actually just a really broad description that could fit anyone and you kind of plug in the rest i could definitely see that i think that you know they do have pretty broad descriptions and it's kind of like one of those things where you can go and you can say oh yeah i'm totally this or even like take those characteristics because they are so broad and vague and adopt them into your everyday life like you know how I don't know if you've ever come across this, but when somebody is like, oh my gosh, I act this way all the time because I'm a Capricorn or I'm a Cancer. And so this is why I act this way. I feel like that's something that I could see happening from people taking tests like this is taking their results and being like, oh, I can use this to justify why I act the way I act. Not in a bad way, but just it's something that I could see happening. Yeah, and I don't think, just because they may not be, like, super scientifically accurate, I know another thing for that is it has to have kind of, the results have to be the same, so it's, like, interesting, like, with yours is, like, how it's changed, and so it's, like, has it changed because you've changed, or has it changed because it's not that accurate to begin with, but putting that aside, I feel like I still kind of like them, like, I think they're fun, and I think they generally get the gist, you know, because it's, like, the ones that I matched the highest with were kind of like me, which could be part of that psychological effect. But it also is there are other ones, you know, like on the Enneagram type where it was like, I think it's the type four, which I didn't feel like it identified with at all. And then the test did pick up that that was one of the lower categories for me. I think you're right. I think they're definitely like a fun thing to do. You know, go ahead and take the test, take a test with your friends, compare results. I think that it's definitely a fun thing to do but you know the results should be taken as a grain of salt you know they don't always speak to who you are as a person and I think that that's important to remember too because for example if you get something that you think is not as positive as you would like or not how you view yourself just remember you are who you are individually and these tests are just tests they're just for fun don't take them too seriously I think you're right. And I think they I think they are valuable in the sense that they can give you a framework on how to think about your own personality because I think, you know, I think that some people may not know how to say things about their personality or how they process the world, but then reading the different descriptions or taking a test, like even if you don't agree with it, you could say, "Oh, I'm kind of like this personality." And instead of saying, "Oh, I'm a type four and blah, blah blah," you could say, "Oh, like I think this way," and it gives you kind of like a better view of how you process things. Yeah, and I think it can also be helpful for like, for example, if there's a category that you'd like to be more like that you notice that you've scored pretty low in, you can think pretty actively about how you can institute changes within your own life to be more like whatever category you want to be like. For example, if you really want to be the achiever or the perfectionist and you notice that you scored kind of low in those, think about how you can change your habits in your daily life 
to be more like that. So I think that it does help with that sense of self-awareness. Yeah, I think that's where I come down on these things, where I think I see the the concerns about it not being completely scientifically valid, but I don't think that means that these tests have no value. I think I think if you're, you know, you take a critical lens to it and don't just accept it at face value, they can be valuable in kind of learning more about yourself and how you interact with other people. Yeah. Okay, so Leanne, I also have a question because I've been sitting on this question this whole entire podcast. So in your Enneagram that you scored the lowest in, do you know of anybody who fits that Enneagram type in your life? I don't think so. Because it's also kind of tricky because I think part of the the challenge with these is they're in some ways they're very, very black or white where it's like you're, you know, you're this or you're that like this. The one I matched the lowest with, which is the number seven, which is the enthusiast. And it talks about how they like adventure and they want to have fun. And, you know, I think it's kind of weird because it's like, I kind of sit there and I'm like, well, I like adventure and I like having fun, but I don't think this is, you know, the main thing driving my personality. So it's like when I'm trying to come up with someone that fits that, it's like, I don't think there's anyone that has that kind of as their driving factor. But then I'm like, I don't think that means that they don't like having fun or like going new places and trying new things. Definitely. Do you have anyone in mind for your lowest? Yeah, so my lowest is an eight, which is the challenger. They see themselves as strong and powerful and seek to stand up for what they believe in. So when I think of an eight, I think of people who are very opinionated, especially people who are very into social justice. So I have two people that I can think of in my life who I feel like are very much like this. In regards to the opinionated end, I think I could definitely see my older brother, Eric, being the challenger because he's a very opinionated person and he will let you know his opinion. They are not secret. Um, But I think on like the more social justice side, I look at my friend Kate and I feel like she could also fit the challenger because she's someone who's very socially active and always making sure to fight for what she believes is right. And it's a quality that I really admire in her. And so that's who I would see fitting the eight personality. I think it's actually kind of a a fun activity to look at these and see who you know that fits them. Because I know I didn't look too much into this, but I know there's a lot of certain ones are more compatible with other ones. So I think it'd be really funny if, you know, someone you're close to in real life is one of the ones that you're supposedly not compatible with. You could also play matchmaker. If you know the ones that are like, that go well together, could you imagine you look at, you go and you analyze everybody in your life and you just think about which one they are from the Enneagram test and then you try to play matchmaker. If somebody does this, please let me know. We're going to have one quick reminder before we go about our February book club. Kaylee, what are we reading? So for February, we will be reading American Marriage by Tayeri Jones. And if you want to follow along with us and read that book with us, please make sure that you've read it by February 1st if you want to listen to the episode right when it comes out, because that is when we will be releasing our book club episode. 
Thank you so much for joining us today, and we hope to see you next time on Zillennials Podcast. You can find us at Zillennials Podcast on Instagram or email us at zillennialspodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to hit the subscribe button and stay a while. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.